The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So uh, for all back on Coast to Coast, hour number two with uh, Carver High, Mavi, Joe Ranieri. Uh, so uh, let me just ask you, Carver High, do you think I'm crazy about uh, Roger Goodell? Uh, obviously, uh, th- they've never dealt with it, in my opinion. Uh, they have, after the fact now, after all the smoke cleared and all the drama and all the m- mistakes made and wasted time and months and seasons go by, they've never done a thing about Kaepernick. And then now they dedicate $300 million to uh, diversity and fighting social injustice because they basically are forced to do it. They're forced to do it because the rest of the world is doing it. So the NFL had to do their part. So now they're, they're acting like they're doing something. They, I believe firmly they colluded against Ka- Kaepernick. And to this day, he's still nowhere near getting a job ever. Meanwhile, every hack in the world, every bum in the world. I mean, even they brought in Cardale Jones. They'll bring in anyone. They'll bring in your next door neighbor before they'll bring in Kaepernick for a trial. Do you think, and the guy's still talking about, we should have done better with Colin Kaepernick. Well, he's not talking to Kaepernick. What has Roger Goodell done right about Colin Kaepernick besides nothing? He's never done anything right about it. And, you know, you want to throw the old, you know, better late than never here. I don't know. I don't think that that's good enough. Uh, he's not going to play in the league again, Scotty. Uh, it's pretty fair at this point, right? You just said it. Think of the bums uh, that they're bringing off the street uh, onto these teams. Not saying that these guys are going to play. It's not like Cardell Jones is going to play for the Raiders, but he's getting a look and getting into a camp uh, before Kaepernick. Uh, it is, he's not going to play. It's, it's that simple because the ship has sailed. It's been years, and maybe it took a little too long for Raj uh, you know, to kind of uh, take care of this like he's trying to do now. All right, so before we get into the hockey, Brett Brown has been fired by the Philadelphia 76ers today. Well, that didn't take long, did it? I said uh, he'd be <laughs> fired by Wednesday, and they got him on Monday when he uh, got off the airplane. Like, they did him at the tarmac, basically. Are you surprised at all that he uh, that he made it till today? Or did you think Wednesday was a bad call by me? I mean, you knew he was getting fired, but today already i probably would have took the under on wednesday uh just with the way that these things move i probably would have went before that maybe not this quick uh like you say they probably just got home this morning uh you know and like you see from the tarmac right to the office see you brett 
Go get your stuff out of there. We got to get somebody else in here. So I believe they needed a change. They needed a change. I believe they fired him in my in my view. I actually believe they fired him last night. That's why those players knew that he was gone. And that's why Richardson opened his mouth. And that's why Embiid didn't want to talk about it, his future and Brown's future, because I think they already knew. My guess is uh, they fired him uh, right after the game and they all knew it. And the media didn't know it until now. I'll bet my life they fired him right in the locker room yesterday. Yeah, it's possible with the way those guys were talking that they knew something was going to go down because you usually don't hear players, whether they're good ones or not. Uh, we had one good one in Embiid and one bad one in Richardson. Players are not, you know, you don't hear them talk about the coach that way. So uh, right. it doesn't surprise me in the least that he is now out of the mix. Uh, hockey, Scotty, we've got two games tonight. Let's quickly go to the two games last night. You had, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning losing game one to Boston. You talked with J.D. about it. Um, nice job by the Bruins. The Halak played really well. And if the Lightning can play the next game like they played in that third period, maybe they could start to get something going here, Scotty. Listen, I got to be honest with you. Uh, the Bruins are amazing. They went to the finals. They lost to the Blues. Here they are again in the conference semis. They're up one nothing already on a team that I believe, uh, without a doubt, is better than them. I, I think the Bruins are very solid and can play and beat anyone. There's no denying that. I just cannot believe that Tampa is not the best team in the East. I cannot believe it. They're faster. They're deeper. They come at you with in waves like the Russian Red Army. I mean, they have it all on both ends. They got great players and I think good goaltending, better than Halak. And it just is amazing to me, uh, to be honest with you, that they're not, uh, you know, going to come back and win this series. I still believe that they can do it. They have to win game two. We welcome in all of our radio affiliates. Don't forget the Sports Grid radio app. Get it free. It's awesome. You can listen to everything on the radio app. Also, sportsgridradio.com. Uh, you get Pharrell on the bench. Uh, 1 a.m., uh, Sports Radio, 3 a.m., Bagels Bad Beats, 5 a.m. And you can watch us on YouTube. Just search Sports Grid Radio. And also, uh, we're on live in Southern California on Mighty 1090. So there you go. Um, obviously, the mightier 1090. It was mighty, and now it's mightier, much stronger now, more muscle. All right, so I think the Lightning are better than the Bruins. I'm not going to be surprised at all if the Bruins win the series. They always do. Uh, the Lightning always find a way to lose. I won't deny that, but you cannot argue with me that they're better than the Bruins. I think they are. No, I think that they're better than the Bruins too, Scotty. And I think that we have a long way to go here. I, I don't, I know Halak has been good, but I'm not ready to uh, see if he can get all the way through with this thing. And JD brought up a good point. Both of these East series, you're going to have back to two back to backs in each of them, uh, the Boston Tampa and the Islander flyer. So there's a bunch of opportunities where Halak could get a little tired. I still think Tampa, the team to beat also last night, Scotty, you had Vegas, absolutely run over the Vancouver Canucks. Now, the Canucks have been a nice story here, Scotty, with wins over Minnesota and then over St. Louis. But I think that they're stepping up into another class against this Vegas team, who is, in my opinion, the team to beat overall in the NHL right now. 
I think a lot of betters will jump on the Canucks at 560 and try to make some money. I think they're going to lose their money. Vegas is a, a better team. They're going, in my opinion, uh, to the conference finals and to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, they're just too good top to bottom, and they got great goaltending. Uh, they're incredible. Milbury sent home for his comments about women. The Caps fired Todd Reardon. Ovechkin will be on the cover of NHL 21. For what reason, I don't know. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rockets, Thunder have the ball, 220 and counting in the second. A really good game going on right now with Houston and Oak City. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. Rick Haro is our sports business and legal insider on Sports Grid and on Coast to Coast for Ellen Bench. From Harvard, we bring him in, Rick Haro. Rick, good to have you with us. Let's start with baseball. They're already planning their postseason. Things like Sony's Hawkeye uh, technology, hub sites for games. What's going on with baseball looking ahead already? Well, if Rob Manfred can keep everybody uncoveted, everything will be fine. Cardinals going to make up like 9,000 games. At the end of the day, you've got eight series, best of three. Nobody knows where they'll be. The presumption is they'll be at the home team's site. That's what they've earned. But baseball flexible right now. You can go into a bubble, and you can go into a bubble a lot easier in the playoffs because a lot of teams and a lot of hangers honors are lopped off. Hawkeye cuts a deal. We're going to have Hawkeye at the U.S. Open, takes John McEnroe's arguments away from him, and now it goes to baseball. And so they'll have launch angles. They'll have every kind of angle. And, again, what's good about it, it's better for TV than ever before. So uh, Manfred's vision for uh, baseball to unify uh, the game at all levels under the brand as it stands now is working, in your opinion? Well, what he's trying to do is to control everything and to brand it in a common way. He's got to finish his negotiation with minor league baseball and 160 teams all across America. So that's not necessarily going to be easy. But you're talking about the fall leagues, the amateur leagues, and everybody under one baseball. And frankly, they need to do something to get the youngsters back to supporting America's game. And this is one way to do it. So kudos to Rob Manfred for running a ship that's in what glacier infested waters. I hate that metaphor, but it is so true. So uh, the NBA and NHL playoffs have been pretty seamless, in my opinion, 
Uh, everything seems to be working effectively. Sponsors happy. Everybody's happy. Everybody's healthy. The bubbles have worked. Bubbles have worked. But let me give you some numbers. So $168 million in advertising that's directly related only to the playoffs, basketball and hockey together. 472 different brands, 7,500 commercials. A lot of money for advertisers, a lot of money for silly character actors, a lot of money for uh, PR and advertising agencies. And more important than that, Baseball and hockey and basketball and football all interchange information. And we were talking about how who's going to advertise and we're dead and it's sick and all of that. Baseball has been very good. I don't want to do the analogy that early, but it is really good for advertisers. They see the ratings and they're jumping on it. So no problem with uh, the NHL doing the hard liquor ads with uh, Jägermeister in New Amsterdam. They're pushing the hard booze. What's next? Weed? Are they going to do some uh, cannabis commercials coming soon? Hey, listen, I can't guarantee it, but if I'm the NHL, why not? The bottom line is, how about CBD? CBD is kind of semi-weed, right? And so when you think about it, everybody is talking about generating dollars. And in the college ranks, by the way, we'll talk about it some other time, you're talking about liquor advertising that's happening now and gambling. Who'd have thunk that colleges would depend on liquor and gambling for supporting the Title IX and minor sports? But that's where it's gone. come to. So are we going to have a successful U.S. Open at, at Flushing? Well, Federer says no. Nadal says no, although they wish him luck. Obviously, Djokovic injured. Uh, Barty on the other side, not in it. Fifth, 11 of the 50 top women are not in it. But listen, we're going to have a great tournament minus fans. We've seen that work in other contexts. Advertisers are sticking with the U.S. Open, A, because it's a long-term deal on all of their parts, and B, because fans aren't necessary for the U.S. Open. It's important, but they're not necessary. And by the way, the Western and Southern Open, really exciting event in Mason, Ohio, leading up to, oh, it's not in Mason. It's going to be at the U.S. Open week one, so a three-week extravaganza keeping the tennis players in New York. Well, uh, no cheerleaders in the NFL. I'm devastated. What am I going to do? Well, no cheerleaders and no media hanger honors. So that's uh, you and me. I don't know where you fit, but I will uh, look at the ownership route to see if there's an opportunity to come in. No guests, no VIPs. The sidelines look entirely different. Ninety nine percent of the hanger honors can't get in the building. And again, it's a protocol issue. The owners obviously can go wherever they want to. The media, I can see it now. We're already complaining and lining up. We are with X outfit. We're not being granted an access a credential. That's coming. But the bottom line is, if you want to stick with the protocol, you better announce and play by the rules. And they're doing it right now. The NFL launches the Fan of the Year program. Yeah. The prize is go to Tampa. And you go to Tampa on February 7th. And with any luck, you watch the Super Bowl. If not, where do you go, Mons Venus, or you go to Burns? I don't know what you do on February 7th in, in, in Tampa if there's no Super Bowl. But the fan of the year is voted on. It's essays. It's interactivity. It's all the good stuff the NFL does to try to generate some excitement. And obviously, everybody's looking for Super Bowl 55 in Tampa, Roman numeral LV. Everybody get the early jump, LV. Yeah, I actually think going to Burns and to Mons Venus sounds like an awesome night out, better than the Super Bowl, actually. Yeah, I, understand. Hey, I was leading you into that. Thank you. You're very predictable, man. That's a great steakhouse. Uh, Pepsi announced their plans for the football season. Big money, Pepsi? Yeah. 
They're designed to connect with the brand and connect with folks. I'm just reading their press release. And a VP of marketing says they've always been an endemic part of the football viewing audience. What that really means is they're spending more money than ever. And the football viewing audience means all the funky stuff on TV this year. You know how important they've been in the halftime celebration, alternating with Bridgestone as the sponsor. This year is a big deal like any other. If there is a halftime, there will be a halftime celebration. It'll go all over the world. And Pepsi's really excited about their alignment with the brand. Uh, the Indy 500 pulled it off, no fans. Now the Kentucky Derby will do it. Yeah, but the rumor is that there will be no horses allowed at the Kentucky Derby. What do you think? <laughs> uh, how about that? You'll, you'll have you'll have Usain Bolt in, in, in a you know, jockey uniform running around trying to beat somebody in the 100. It's not a laughing matter for the people who bought tickets, but they'll get tickets next year. Bottom line is they were going to try social protocol at the Kentucky Derby. But look at the numbers. Jefferson County, which is the uh, Lexington and the Louisville County, 200 cases, 100,000 residents, highest rate in the state for COVID. And they did the right thing. They said, we'll wait for fans until next year. You know, it'll be exciting. NBC will spend four hours talking about Bob Baffert anyway, even with all well, that and, going on. So and, yeah, and, and you'll have two and a half minutes of racing and, and no good hats to look at. And no, no Tyler okay. Lipinski, by the way. You're really you're scaring children at home by continuing to go up close to the camera there inside your mouth and nose. It's, I, it's I, very I'm, in, I'm in Manchester, New Hampshire. They, they, they can't focus on me right here. NASCAR so. pushing for single-day races in 2021. What does that mean? means all the teams want to save money. And all of the NASCAR folks want to have the truck races and some of the Xfinity series and the secondary races on the Saturdays. They want to turn it into weekend stuff. It's important for their campers in the infield. I get it. The economic impact's really important. But post-pandemic, maybe you need a little shakeout. So the event on Sunday becomes the televised central event. And the other events just kind of lead up to it and are done in other places or other days. Basically, the teams don't want to spend three days in a city because it takes a long time for them to get there. And they want to get in and get out. Uh, so uh, $14 billion in sponsorship money still has to be made up in sports this year. How are they going to do that? Well, they'll spend more creative money trying to link into getting the Rolodex of fans at home, and that way they'll be spending more money and activating as well. The $14, million is the $14 billion is the money lost because everybody, the IEG, which is the company that measures the stuff, said, all right, through the summer, here is X. Here are the cancellations. We're in deep whatever. But now we're into the fall and we're still canceling fans, although we're having a lot more events and those events are being watched a lot. So it could have been a lot worse. But a 14 billion number is a big number. All right. Uh, I got 20 seconds. What is Oculus? It's a company that is a virtual reality company. They're dealing with the NBA. You put on headsets and maybe you see guys play defense, <laughs> which doesn't happen. So Oculus and the NBA are trying to do virtual reality and generate more money. All right, Rick, we'll see you tonight on the bench. Great stuff today on Coast to Coast. Thank you, sir. All right, I'm stepping back. How's that? Is that good? All right, there he is. Rick Harrow getting close and personal with us. Uh, I, was he trying to headbutt us, Carver High, at one point there, or just doing a, a cavity check? What was that? I think that's exactly what he was trying to do. Rick's got to back up a little bit. All right, we're going to keep rocking here. We got a lot more to do. Grab another beer.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Yeah, this is tough. Uh, I know a lot of people are on the Islanders. I am too. I'm a little bit worried that it might be a public play, but I just like what the Islanders did against the Capitals. I think they have a coaching edge with Barry Trotz over Vigneault, but these are teams that play similar styles, right? They're, they're going to want to muck it up. This is like a horse race in the slot. The Islanders want to slap you around. So does Philly. This is going to be a very, very tough series. I see a lot of marching to the penalty box. The total on FanDuel of four and a half, I might have to go over. I know these teams play these games, but I expect things to be rough. I expect penalties. Uh, but I like the Islanders as a side, Scotty. I think uh, they can get it done tonight. As for the other game, I'm going back to Colorado. Uh, the first game, I was a little bit hesitant because Dallas, they played great. They're a very, very good team. Hudobin's starting to feel a lot better between the pipes. Their big line, Radulov, these guys are all going right now. Like Dallas looks like a scary team. They have good defense, underrated defense with Heiskin and the rest of their crew. But I got to believe Colorado rallies. I know Grubauer's out, but Francis will be fine. He's a, a very good se- uh, second string goaltender. The loss of Johnson. And hurts. He logs over 21 minutes, but Colorado understands they can't go down two to nothing in this game. I'm going to take the avalanche. You know, that all sounds uh, dead on it. The problem is that the stars own them. I mean, they have owned yeah, them all they season do. long. At some level, there's got to be frustration in the heads of the abs. I know they have all that speed and talent, but how is it that they can't figure them out? I'll take that goal and a half and that 125 and keep rolling with them until they prove me otherwise. Islanders, I don't care what the public's doing. They're a good hockey team. They are fast. They play at both ends. Uh, Anders Lee's a badass standing in front of the net. He'll punch you in the mouth. Uh, They got two lines that can score at will. And the Flyers' top guys haven't scored a goal in a month and a half. I don't know how they survive with their best players, all of them being shut down. We'll see if they show up in this series or not. One other question for you, Cam. Uh, Very interesting that you mentioned Jay Wright. I have to tell you that I would never believe that he would leave Nova, but I think that this is like uh, Patino. This is like, uh, you know, we've seen it before. Uh, I feel like this guy might actually leave Villanova to coach the Sixers for the right money. 
for a lot couldn't, of money. Couldn't agree more. You're right, Scott. Now is the time. It's COVID-19 time. We talked about it. Jay Wright, hey, this is this is a guy that's won a national championship with the Villanova Wildcats, but this is a different uh, circumstance. You said it with Patino and Iona and all the other guys, right? Jay Wright is a wicked coach, a good-looking man, and this is what the Philadelphia needs. He's already a god there at Villanova. Why not hire him with the Sixers? I think it's too good to be true. You say, hey, man, show me the check. How many zeros are there? I'm there. The other hire, Tyron Liu, eh, you know, I, I, I'm not really down with that as much as Jay Wright, too. And we've seen the success of Billy Donovan and other guys. So I think it's the right move for the Sixers. Brown, Brown, I hate to say it, was a clown. He wasn't the man for the job. And uh, Jay Wright is the man for the job. And I think he can, uh, you know, ascend from the college ranks to the pro ranks and do a very, very good job. I think it's a perfect fit. You're right. I would leave Villanova for that job. Uh, Calipari did it. Patino did it. I think he'll do it. He can always go back to college uh, like Calipari did, like Patino did. They can always go back. But to turn down, they're going to offer him so much money. If they make that offer to him, I think he might very well take it. And I also, I don't think uh, Brett Brown was uh, a bad coach. I think he inherited a terrible team. That's why his record was so bad for years. But I think over the last few years, he's coached. I think that they've had bad pieces on that puzzle. I don't blame him why Embiid and the rest of them, they, they have a lot of talent over these last few years and they lose in the playoffs. He doesn't play. These players That's haven't a good point. Uh, stepped up and done anything. Uh, I think he was inevitably going to be fired. But I think Brett Brown will get a job again easily in the NBA. And I also believe uh, Lou's not getting that job. I think he's going to get the job in New Orleans. I think the guy that won't get the head coaching job right away, and I could be wrong, for sure I'm wrong 30 times a day, is Jason Kidd. Everybody told us he was getting the Nick job. I never <laughs> once thought he was getting the Nick job. I think that uh, all along it was Thibodeau. We'll see how it plays out. If I were Jay Wright, I would take the Sixer job for massive amounts of money. He can make five times what he's making in college. And uh, he's already done it all in college. Why not try the NBA? And he's so smooth. I think he'd do better than Patino and Calipari did in the NBA. Uh, Good stuff, Ken. Thanks a lot. Uh, Game time coming up top of the hour. All right, great stuff, Cam Stewart. All right, uh, Carver High, where are we going here? Baseball. Let's get some baseball in from over the weekend, Scotty. Big one for the San Diego Padres. They sweep the Houston Astros. They've won seven in a row. Machado is starting to get hot, which is huge for them. Here is Fernando Tatis Jr. saying this is a new era of Padre baseball. We're changing the culture out here. Uh, we're building something different. Everybody, uh, everybody knows what we're capable of. And uh, the thing it is, the thing is, we're working for it. And uh, you know, it's just a bad, a bad after a bad. You know, every pitch counts for us. And when we're playing defense, and it's it's just it's just great. Uh, it's just great baseball all the way around. I love this team. Uh, I've said it uh, over and over and over on this show and on for all on a bench. And we're on in uh, San Diego in Southern California on Mightier 1090. And uh, I love uh, watching this team play. I love their lineup. I like everything about it. Hosmer, uh, you know, last year it wasn't great. This year I think he's, you know, hit the grand slam last week. Uh, Myers was never like the big stud that they thought he would be. Now all of a sudden he's hitting grand slams. I think Tatis and Machado are making those guys game better. So they're making guys around them better. Uh, I like Paddock. I like their bullpen. I like their manager, the French tickler. I think he's doing a great job so far. I love this team. They're hot. They're fun. I know everybody just gift wrapped everything for the Dodgers, but I just want to see the Padres get in the playoffs 
and have that experience and get wet uh, in the postseason, win or lose, I think it'd be great for this franchise. If they get into the playoffs, Preller keeps his job. If they fail to make it after all this success early, they'll whack him. 18 and 12 at the halfway point, Scotty. They should get in if they continue to play at that pace with all these teams right. getting into the playoffs. You brought up the Dodgers. They sweep the Rockies over the weekend. A bunch of home runs. I believe they hit seven yesterday, two of them from Mookie Betts. Here's the second one on Sportsnet LA. Driven to left field. Mookie Betts adds another. Seven home runs for the Dodgers. Two for Betts. Home run derby. The Dodgers stadium as they're on their way to sweeping the Rockies. And, uh, you know, obviously they all wore the Kobe jerseys before the game and uh, during the anthem. I thought that was really cool. Betts has made this team even better. They were already the best team uh, in the West and the best team in the National League. And uh, they're on their way. They're so dangerous, no doubt about it. By the way, on Sided, the Sided app that we use with Scott Kaplan out at 1090, uh, great thing on what's your favorite Kobe Bryant moment with it being his birthday and they're honoring him tonight, the Lakers. So go on sighted and get involved with that and maybe call in tonight on the bench on sports grid radio. And you can uh, talk to me about your favorite Kobe Bryant moment. All right, Carver. Yes. Let's now get to the Chicago series over the weekend. The Cubs and the white Sox both playing very well. How about Jose Abreu, Scotty, six home runs in the series. The Cubs finally slow them down a little bit yesterday and get a win. Here's manager David Ross on you Darvish's performance. You know, you is, uh, you know, he's been throwing well for us. I think he's been very consistent since the second half of last year. Just his performance, uh, he goes out, like you said, that this offense is as locked in as we've seen this year and, you know, kept those guys off balance. The the one home run to Abreu, I, I don't know if I've seen too many guys as hot as he is right now. And then just to continue to work through that lineup and uh, execute pitches and then go go that deep into the game was was big for us. You know, same thing uh, with the Padres that I, I loved them going into the season. And the same thing with the White Sox. I was selling the White Sox on this show every day for four months before it started. And they look dangerous. Uh, Abreu's bad. Anderson, I like their pitching a lot. Giolito, Cease. They have all kinds of uh, talent on that team on the south side. I told you on this show over and over, I'm not even trying to you know butter my bread, that the you know city of Chicago was going to have a great summer. Carver High, you were all over the Cubs. You still are as, as you know playoffs, possibly World Series. You love their odds. You love the over uh, on their win total. And I'm the same way with the White Sox. So I thought it'd be a great summer, uh, late summer, fall for uh, Chicago baseball fans. And it's exactly that. Yeah, it looks like they're going to get two teams in the playoffs, which is going to be a lot of fun in that town when we get to October. Now, this one's for you, Scotty. How about the Pittsburgh Pirates sweeping the Milwaukee Brewers over the weekend? Let's hear a home run from Gregor Polanco on Fox Sports Milwaukee. Here's the 1-1. It's hit in the air into deep right center field, and Polanco is homered again, and the Pirates take the lead. I can't even believe they swept the Brewers. You can see how excited the Milwaukee announcers were for that (laughs) Polanco home run. But uh, the Pirates don't sweep anyone, and they don't win. So the fact that they swept the series, I almost fell over. I mean, honestly. 
They're and so the Brewers awful. have been the Brewers have been awful too. Eleven and fifteen, uh, the Brewers right now, Scotty. So even yeah. though a lot of teams are going to make the playoffs, uh, the Brewers might not be one of them. And they've been in there the last couple of years. We'll see what happens with them. The Red Sox say nobody is untouchable, Scotty. Uh, I'm with them. I mean, J.D. Martinez, whoever, I would try to unload whatever you can because they are just dreadful this year. Bogarts, Devers won't be dealt. We were telling you on Friday's show that Workman was going to get dealt to the Phillies. That happened. So um, I think everybody else is open season. Uh, they get the most haul for J.D. Martinez. I'm not sure it's a great idea at the end of the day for when they do have fans back at Fenway. Uh, they won't be worth paying to see. They'll have no talent on the team. Steven Strasburg is going to have season-ending surgery. Uh, Hunter Pence let go by the San Francisco Giants. You're going to get the Mike Trout and the Angels in the Little League game next year. And when we come back, Scotty, we will roll through tonight's MLB games. I can make people some money in baseball. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Let's take a look at uh, the baseball right now. Toronto's up on the race, 5-3 in the seven down at uh, the Trop. And stuck around St. Petersburg. I saw it was time for change. Yeah, yeah, should do better. Uh, let's look at the baseball games for tonight. Marlins uh, are at the Nats. I like the Nats here. Uh, the Marlins are starting to come back to reality. I'm going to go uh, with the Nats in this matchup. Uh, it's Lopez against Voth, a couple of household kitchen cleaners. Cubs, Tigers, I got to go Cubs, automatic. Uh, they're just flat out better. Mills against Mize. Mize, the youngster, made his first start last week. He pitched great. Uh, I still think the Cubs are better. I'm going to go uh, Chicago here. Twins and Tribe, I'm going to go Twins on the road. And uh, I can see people uh, going with Cleveland here. But I'm going to go Twins. I just like them. They continue to win. Uh, Maeda, I love the way he's pitched, so I'm going to stick with Minnesota here. Uh, A's, Rangers, I got to go A's there, automatic. I'm willing to lay the run and a half. A's on the road in Texas. And then as far as the rest of the games, I got Reds, Brewers in Milwaukee. The Brewers have been so awful. I'm still going to take the Brewers at home, and they're dogs at home, believe it or not. And then I'm going to go Royals, Cardinals, Cardinals at home. I think they'll uh, handle the Royals. Astros over the Angels. No problem there. That's my top pick. Houston at home over the Angels. The Angels are dreadful. D-backs and Rockies. The D-backs offense has been uh, struggling over the weekend. I'm still taking Arizona at home uh, tonight over the Rockies. Uh, dangerous giving the Rockies a run and a half, though, I'd say, on that part. All right, let's go to Mafia now and talk about the UFC over the weekend and the Bellator. Friday night was Bellator, and I know that, uh, first of all, let me start with that, Mafia. Ryan Bader got his ass beat. I couldn't even believe the beating that Nemkov gave him. I mean, he messed him up. We have no volume with Mafia, so uh, I can't hear him at all. All right, you're... 
He's muted. There you go. All right. So uh, anyway, here's the deal. Uh, do we have back? Mafia, what did you think yeah. of Bader getting his ass I thought beat? that I... Uh... You know, Bader had a good job that first round. Then second round, he just got caught with that kick to the head. It was just a bad weekend overall for us. We were so hot coming into there, but somehow, you know, we just really took it on the chin, uh, just like Bader all weekend between the UFC and Bellator. He looked good. You know, it was back and forth that first round, but sometimes he, this kid just threw a nasty head kick, caught him, dropped him, and that was the end right there. Lights out. The kid jumped on him and finished him off, and now he's the champ. Wow. Uh, you weren't surprised at that at all? I was surprised. You know, I had Bader. I thought that he was going to do much of what he did in the first round there. And they're, they're going to have their back and forth. But I thought the wrestling, you know, where he got on top of him and grinding him down a little bit, you know, the clinch work, I thought that was what going to be what carried the fight. And he did a good job of that in the first round. But in that second round, sometimes you just get caught. And he did. You know, he had his hands down. The kid kicked him high and kicked him around the temple and finished him off. All right. So uh, let's talk about uh, the UFC fight night on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the uh, Edgar fight with Munoz and the decision? Listen, I thought it was a great fight. I thought the decision was a little suspect, but I thought it could have gone either way. You know, when I was watching, and they kind of give Frank in the middle rounds there. I gave him uh, two, three, four was, you know, up in the air more, and then I gave him, you know, one, four, and five. So I thought he just took it by 48, 47. We see the scorecard there, and that's the biggest thing. That's the, the crazy thing to me is that, you know, the judges that gave it to Frankie, Gave him different rounds. You know, I would never have given him the first round, even though the strikes were very close. I thought that was Munoz controlling things. But the one judge gave him the first round, the other didn't. Then you had the other, you know, third judge that gave Munoz four out of the five rounds. I mean, it's a problem with MMA judging. When you, it's one thing if you get a close fight like that and it's called differently. It's another thing when you have a fight like that and one guy sees it completely different from the other two. And even the two that agree on who won see it differently on which rounds. It's very tough, you know, to have a fight go that way. When you're the other guy, I thought Munoz, you know, should have gotten the fight close decision. I thought I went away from the leg kicks a little more than I thought he should have. I thought he should have, you know, just hammered it with him like he did in the first round, the last round. I think the middle rounds, he stepped more into the boxing part, which is Frankie's wheelhouse. But, you know, a great fight either way for those guys. Both of them had, you know, put on a great performance for five rounds. What what was the one judge that had a Munoz by three? Uh, it mm-hmm. was like 49-46, and the other two had it so close. What was this guy Sal D'Amato thinking? I don't know. I mean, I thought that Frankie had better rounds in second and third. Like I said, I, to give him four rounds, I think, is just ridiculous. I thought he definitely, uh, Munoz lost the third round. I thought those two, second and third should have gotten to Frankie. And then it, one and five for Munoz. And then the fourth one's debatable for either side, depending on which way you saw it. But the, dis- the disparity in the scorecards is alarming to me. So uh, what does this do for Frankie? Because he was really starting to look bad in his recent fights and losing and falling off the map. And what does this do for him? It gives him a kick in the ass in his career. You know, he came in here. This wasn't just moving down against some opponent that wasn't even in the top 15. This is a guy who was number seven in that division. So you moved down into a lighter division for the first time late in your career. And you put on, you know, a good performance, whether you won or lost, you looked good. You showed some of, you know, what we've seen in the past from you. And you get the win against the top 10 guy that, Catapult him right there. He's going to be in the rankings now. You know, the next fight against anyone in that division is going to have to be someone in the, you know, like a top five opponent. And then if you win that, you're going to start to get in the title contention talk. And that's what he wants. You know, he said he's coming in here to try to compete for that title. He doesn't want to just come in here and be another guy in the division, you know, just taking fights and making money. He wants to be there to try to get a belt again. So this fight definitely helps him put it in that direction. So what happened with St. Prue? I know he failed a test. That was pretty much it for him. Yeah, I got positive coronavirus test, so they yanked him off the card that came out on Saturday. So I guess in the uh, last test they gave him right before the fight, he came up that he was positive, whether he was asymptomatic or whatever. I, I haven't seen uh, disclosed, but 
they took him off the car and had a safety precaution, as we've seen them do time before, like as they did to Pedro Munoz, you know, a month ago. What did you think of the Beverly Hills Ninja, the kid right that came out and threw that kick to start the fight and knocked the guy down at the beginning of the fight? I thought that kid looked pretty decent for uh, he's brand new. It was his first fight in the UFC. I thought he looked uh, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that obviously benefited from the spotlight he got in this you know, situation. You see St. Prue getting pulled out. The car was a little tighter. They you know, move him up every time you have someone. Uh, you know, in a bad situation like St. Prue, they can't with less fights means more guys get better chances to be viewed. You know, so some of these fighters got moved up on the card and he definitely took advantage of that, put on a great performance and caught a lot of eyeballs. You know, that's something we saw from, you know, some of these other fighters like Agapova before she had that loss in this fight. You know, in her first fight against Hannah Cyphers was a higher up on the card than people would have thought for someone coming in the first time and put on a great performance and got a little juice behind her. And then lost it in this fight after she was winning the first round, ends up getting, you know, uh, just reversed and knocked out on the ground. But you know, great job by that guy to step in there, step into the spotlight and use it for his benefit. So what do you think of this Till Hermanson fight they're talking about for December? They're going to put Darren Till right back mm-hmm. in there. That's an interesting fight. You know, it's going to be see, you know, especially see how it's fought, you know, the stylistic difference, because we saw Till obviously against Whitaker. We know what the gorilla provides that he comes in there and he's just going to come walk forward and try to take your head off. He's going to pummel you for three to five rounds, whichever situation he's in. And he did that against Whitaker and Whitaker was just a little bit better in that scenario. Hermans is coming off the win over uh, Kelvin Gaslam, where he completely surprised us with how quickly he got in there. And I uh, took Gaslam's back and choked him out. And so he's, you know, a nice rebound for him in that division. He was a guy who was high up in the rankings there, was looking to get up into maybe the top five in title contention before he lost to uh, Cannonier. So now the Gaslam rebound for him is good. He's a longer guy in that division. So, you know, he could kind of keep you at bay, kind of like Whitaker did to Till. We'll see if he uses that length to just kind of fight from the outside and score points or if he tries to take him down and, you know, see if he can take his back and choke him out like he did to Gaslam. But it should be a good fight either way. So uh, what did you think of Dana White saying cocaine isn't cheap, it's expensive when he was talking about De La Hoya? I told you this on Pharrell and Events the other night. Uh, you know, they need, to, they need to drug test him every week leading up to this big comeback of his because no one believes for one minute that he's clean ever. But it's like the old, uh, you know, Rick James from Chappelle show, cocaine's a hell of a drug. And, you know, obviously Oscar's had his problems for a long time. We've heard, you know, see many fighters lose their money. These guys that make hundreds of millions, you know, you saw Mike Tyson, you've seen, you know, Holyfield. These guys that have been some of the biggest boxers of all time, making the biggest paychecks, all of a sudden be broke. So with all the money that Oscar has wrapped up in his promotion and the things that they do, it wouldn't surprise me if he's come back just for the money. But, uh, you know, Dana pointed out the drug habit, just as you did later in the week when we first heard about him coming back. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking about that. Well, there is. Did you see Pavetkin with that uppercut to knock out White in that heavyweight fight? Did you see that? Oh, man, did I see that. That was some talk about heavy fists. That guy throwing that uppercut, man, that almost knocked him. That put me on my butt right now watching that fight because that was a heavy punch. He just took him out. They thought that guy was dead. They were, like, calling for medical emergency because he was out mm-hmm. cold. He got tipped over like a tree. That was such a and, great you know, punch. Uh, that's interesting because, you know, we've seen Povetkin fight for the title before in that division. They talked about White being a guy who might, be, you know, might get in title contention after something like Wilder Fury or some of these other fights, you know, that these heavyweights have lined up at the top. This guy might start getting to the mix as one of the you know, contenders coming up after that. But now Povetkin just put him in the ground and step right back over and try to get back in that title contention spotlight. Unbelievable. All right, Mavia, good stuff on the uh, Bellator and the UFC fight night. We'll talk more UFC throughout the week. Uh, let's go uh, preseason top 25 Carver High. Clemson, uh, number one, Ohio State, number two. I bet that makes all those Buckeye parents happy. I heard they're going to have another protest now. Hopefully it'll be better than the first 
protest that was so embarrassing in Chicago when 20 people showed up to protest the Big Ten canceling the season. Bama's three, Georgia four, Oklahoma five, LSU six, Penn State, no season, Florida eight, Oregon, no season. Notre Dame, 10. So you might as well just move them up now. Auburn, move them up. A&M, move them up. What do you think, Carver? Yeah, this this poll is going to look a lot of different when they actually start playing because a lot of these teams, there's a lot of Big Ten teams in this AP Top 25. They are all going to be uh, off the list because they're not playing. And, yes, Scotty, they should get uh, a bigger crowd for the next time they go. Maybe they'll get the whole special teams unit. Uh, all the parents of the kids on special teams, and they'll try to get try to get one unit, get some more people out there. The next time you're going to protest something like that, right? Uh, that was Michigan so is going. <laughs> it was really embarrassing. Michigan is going to have NFL combine uh, things on campus in October. They're not going to play any games, Scotty. So at least they're going to have that. And UNC has cleared their athletes now. They're going to be able to start playing football again down in North Carolina. How about that? Very exciting, and they'll still stink. Uh, I, you know, I'm just glad Mac Brown's happy and he's coaching. But I'm not worried about North Carolina football. Thanks. I'm barely worried about North Carolina basketball anymore. Let's take a look. Uh, I know that I talked to you about this on Friday. The Northern Trust, the PGA, the first leg of the FedEx. Dustin Johnson finished Scotty with a minus thirty, a minus thirty. Uh, and he wins by eleven shots over Harris English. I mean, geez, how about Harris English? You shoot minus nineteen. And you lose by 11 strokes. I'm sorry, Scotty. They did an awful job with that course this weekend. They could have did a better job. I got to tell you, the, the club that they played at, the Ridgewood uh, Country Club, whatever, in uh, in New Jersey, when they played that tournament instead of the Northern Trust, that's a better golf course and a harder golf course to begin with. 30 under. What a joke. But uh, he's number one. They've had five number ones at least over the last three months in golf. Every time a guy wins, he's number one. Uh, Thomas was number one last week. Now it's, uh, you know, DJ, like, I mean, no one can separate yeah. themselves at all. There's a lot of great golfers out there. Yes. Yeah, even the immortal John Rahm had a turn at being number one in I the world. At one point. Did you? I you played? I, I dropped an 82. Now I played an easy golf course, but I, I, it still felt good. And I was hitting big ball. I'm going out again Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Son, I got a tee time. I'm already locked in. Big irons. Man, I, I got I, there it is. That was, Ian Poulter, that was Ian Poulter right there. That was Ian ah. on the tee uh, with Scotty on Wednesday morning coming up. I need to get some rounds in before the Cape Cod Irish Open coming up Ooh. in late October as well. Uh, Tiger uh, misses the fans, Scotty. He wants the fans out there. He needs the juice. How about Bayern Munich? What a game. You know, it was close against PSG, the Champions League final yesterday, but they pull it out with a second half goal, sixth Champions League title for them. Nice job by Bayern. Yeah, I've been hitting uh, these uh, soccer bats like crazy lately and started with Arsenal, went in the FA Cup, and I finished it off with Bayern Munich. I told you on this show, they're, they're the best team in the world. I think they could beat Liverpool. And how about your boy, Takuma Sota, winning the Indy 500. Second right. time, Sota wins it. He beat out Dixon. I know how much you love the Indy 500. I like the Indy 500. Uh, Sato's second Brickyard win, and no one knows who he is still. (laughs) (laughs) Line up, ladies! The early line. So I ask you, Dane, Miles Sanders, Valpow, or RBB3? (sighs) Well, not RBB3. If anything, maybe the timeshare. There's still names out there, Kev. You know, yeah, but they're not calling them, Dane. They're yes. not calling them. Yeah, and you're Wait, right. And time is, ticking. 
time we is ticking. Still not he got injured yesterday. Maybe we will hear it. The Sports Grid Network. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, so uh, 93-84, Rockets up a minute and a half left in the third. Uh, Really good game. It's been tight uh, from the beginning, and the Rockets have uh, spread it out a little bit here in the third. So they have a lead. Uh, 93-86 now, CP3 with the and one, and he'll go to the line. Uh, I just wanted to say here at the end of the show today, not to bum anybody out, but uh, I dedicate this show to a really good friend of mine, Ann Carver High and Mafias, a dear friend of mine I've known for over 30 years, uh, Kenny. Johnson, who passed away Saturday night in Las Vegas, a pancreatic cancer that spread to his liver. Kenny got sick about three weeks ago. And um, when they went in, uh, they found that he had stage four cancer and and did not give him a good report for uh, lasting, if you will, in this world. Kenny made it three weeks and died Saturday night. And uh, his nickname was Gambling Kenny. And uh, we loved him. A great friend of mine. Uh, There was never a trip to Vegas that I took ever where we didn't uh, end up hanging out with Kenny. Uh, He's a great guy. Uh, He was a a waiter at a really famous restaurant at the M in Las Vegas, and he'd been there forever. He'd worked at some of the greatest restaurants in Las Vegas. Uh, A great father. He raised two incredible twins in 10th grade, honors both uh, academic rides to college. Uh, He leaves behind two kids. And that's it. And it's just a devastating story. It's awful. Everything about it is terrible. I hated uh, hearing that he got sick. I hated it even more hearing that he passed. I love you, Kenny. I dedicate this show to you. Some of the funniest things I've ever done in my life I've done with Gambling Kenny. Always found laughter. Always had fun playing blackjack. And I'm going to do it one time. And Carver High is going to do it one time before we get out of here. This is how he dealt with the dealer on every hit. Give me one, Carver High. Just give me the card. Not sticking he would my give fingers the business to those dealers. I'm going to miss you, Kenny. Give me the card. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.